Just want to say welcome. If anybody's still downstairs, they're going to miss out. But um, this morning, I was at Cherry Hills Community Church for about six hours. And I was there because Scum of the Earth is considered to be uh, somewhat of a mission focus for Cherry Hills Community Church, a very large suburban evangelical church south in Highlands Ranch. And so they had Scum of the Earth there represented as well as, you know, Streets Hope and Providence Network and Denver Street School and Mile High Ministries and His Love Fellowship and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Denver Rescue Mission was there. All sorts of inner city ministries which they support. Um, Now, just because we're the mission focus of another church doesn't mean that we shouldn't have our own mission focus. And we've been blessed over the last several years to have with us a man in charge of that mission focus who is probably better known in the city of Denver as a pastor of Scum of the Earth than anybody else on staff, including me. He's a faithful man. I lured him back here from Kansas to come back and be on staff. I begged him, please, please leave Starbucks. I know that you've got a career set uh, to be a manager of a Starbucks and a district a manager someday, but, um, but please come to Scum of the Earth and bestow upon us your attentions and your talents and your gifts. And so, we are so fortunate to have Ben Mercer as our missions pastor. If you don't know him, then you're the poorer for it. Anyway, but let me uh, introduce my friend and yours, Benjamin Mercer. Wow, that was an introduction. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for tonight, and thanks for the opportunity that we have to come and worship you. I pray that that you would be present here and that you would be speaking through me, that your glory would be evident in and through us, and that your love would be shown to each and every one of us. I thank you for tonight, and I thank you for the opportunity that I have to share my heart, which I pray mimics yours. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So this, the subject of my sermon tonight is the Maseo Day, the, which is Greek for the mission of God. And to start off, I want to tell you a little bit about some of the missions that I've had throughout my life. When I was in middle school and into high school, I, my mission was to be a veterinarian. And what do you do when you're on a mission? You do everything you can to accomplish that. And I did. I, I took biology, I took chemistry, I took AP biology, I took AP chemistry, I took, even took Latin to be able to, to recognize the genus, phylum, and species of all the different animals. <clears throat> and I even got to, to go visit a vet clinic. I went in at around 9, 9 a.m. <clears throat> and got to do all the cool vet things like cleaning cages and <laughs> holding the animals while the doctors gave them shots. And I even got to see a surgery, which was watching a dog get neutered. But it was okay. I was fine. I went in, 
and got my little mask on and my and the vet looks at me, the vet starts cleaning the animal and I got to hold him while I was getting anesthetized <clears throat> and he looks up at me and he's like are you okay and I said yeah I'm okay and a little a little bit more time goes on an incision that looks up at me and suggests that I leave the room so <laughs> I do and the other vet and the intern come run, running at me with a chair and some water and <laughs> After I'd sat down, I asked them what was wrong, and they said that I was white as a sheet. <laughs> so that wasn't for me. <laughs> but it was okay. If I couldn't be a vet, I knew what I wanted to be. A genetic engineer. <laughs> I'd read enough science fiction and watched enough movies that I knew that it would be perfect. No blood, no surgery, just splicing genes and mutation. It'd be awesome. And then I found out that it would mostly be animal husbandry, and cross-pollinating plants and decided that wasn't really what I wanted to do either. So I decided to go with the money. Computers were a big thing back then and I, just, and I was offered a uh, scholarship with one of the computer information departments of the school, that one of the schools I was looking at, and so I took it. And about a year in, I realized that money's not a good motivator for me either. So I switched schools and switched majors and ended up as a creative writing major at the University of Kansas. And when one of my professors asked me what I wanted to do with my life, being the sarcastic and morbid young man that I was at the time, I told her I wanted to create a small but loyal following of readers who would kill themselves for me. <laughs> Thankfully, it was around that time that God turned me around and I started trying to figure out what his mission is. What is God's mission? What is the mission of God? It seems like so many of us have struggled with this question. On one hand, you have the world telling us to follow after things like money and fame and power. And then on the other hand, you have so many good options out there that it's overwhelming. And then you have things like apathy and laziness sneaking in and trying to, get to, and trying to tell you that you should do nothing or take what comes easily. Or you have self-doubt or a fear of failure coming in and telling you that you've never heard anything from God and that there is no mission out there for you. What is the mission of God? It seems like the Bible is full of commandments for us, but what is God's mission? I know that I have become disheartened at times trying to figure this out, and I know so many friends who have become <clears throat> depressed and apathetic for that same reason. What is God's mission? After studying scripture, I realized that I believe that it's not that, that elusive. I think that Jesus states it very plainly in Luke four sixteen through 21, which states, He went to Nazareth and when he had been where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And rolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to, on him. He began to teach them by saying, 
Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In this passage, Jesus is reading from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. I'll go ahead and read through 3 for context. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This passage from Isaiah is a messianic prophecy, which means that basically what what it means is it's foretelling about the Messiah. So when Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, he is claiming that this as his mission and by so doing is blatantly saying that he is the Messiah, which was scandalous in this day and time. But he goes on to prove it by going, by healing people and by casting out demons and by caring for the poor. From this passage, what does Jesus say his mission is? If we look at it, it says to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then, and yeah. What does the if this is Jesus' mission, what does it mean for us? Does it mean that we're supposed to restore blind people's sight and break people out of prison? I don't know. I've never done either of those things. Technically, while Jesus was on earth, he didn't we've we haven't heard there's nothing in the gospels about him breaking people out of prison. In fact, John the Baptist, his own cousin, was put in prison while he was alive and beheaded. So Jesus didn't technically break anybody out of prison. But he did set people free. He set them free from physical paralysis. He set them free from the bondage of sin. He set them free from He set them free from demonic possession. And there are people within Scum's community who have cast out demons. There are people within Scum's community who have been seen or been a part of miraculous healings. There are people within Scum's community whose lives have been changed. There are people within our community who have gone to med school and may very well use their education and experience to restore blind people's sight. There are people within our community who have been to school for counseling and are trying their best to bind up the brokenhearted. And I believe that all of these people are joining Jesus on his mission. But that's, that's just a few people. That's other people. What does that mean for us? I think that Jesus sums up his mission and very more succinctly in Matthew 20, 25, and 28, and Mark 10, 42, and 45, which say pretty much the exact same thing. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. All the things that are listed in Isaiah and in Luke can be summed up as in serving others, mostly through providing for needs and for offering hope. So what does that mean for 
for us? What does that mean for you and me? How do we join God's mission? How, the, how that's looked for me in my life is this. After God turned me around, I started helping out at a, at a ministry called Fisherman's Wharf, Wharf Coffee House where we served coffee, well, where we brought in local bands and we served cheap coffee and cheap, cheap coffee and a safe place for the ministries, the campus ministries at KU to bring their friends. I went on a mission trip to inner city St. Louis. I led a Bible, Bible study with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I served breakfast for the, to the homeless and the poor with a ministry called Jubilee Cafe. Eventually, it moved, it moved me out here to Denver to work with a group called Prodigal Gatherings who passed out snacks and socks to the street youth on 16th Street Mall. It, when I was back in Wichita, it led me to be on the missions committee of the church that I grew up in and lead a Bible study there. Ultimately, it led me to my job here at SCOM. But it also led me to go back to the company that I quit around the time that I was, that God turned me around, a grocery store, where I did my best to provide hope and light to the people that came through my register. It meant working at Starbucks and at Arby's, trying to be someone who people could talk to about anything and everything, somebody who cared about them and listened to them. I remember one time when I was working at the grocery store, a friend of mine came up and asked if I could cover a shift for her on Sunday morning. I told her that I couldn't because I had something going on at church. She looked at me and said, you're a Christian? I said, yes. And she said, but you're too cool to be a Christian, which I thought was hilarious because I don't think I've ever been cool. And, <laughs> and I wondered, and I wasn't sure what she meant by it, so I asked her to explain. She said that most of the Christians that she knew were so busy trying to pre present some kind of perfect front that they didn't have time to listen to her. These are ways that God has, God's mission, that I've joined God mission, God's mission in my life. I look around the Scums community and I think of John Swanger, who's been a part of serving the homeless for decades. I think of Kelly Ballantyne and Chad Merchant, who worked at the Denver Rescue Mission. I think of people like Anna Cavoto and Lucas Scrobot, who helped start the, the YWAM Fire and Fragrance School. I think of Lori Ventola, who started Plumfield Learning Systems, which tutors uh, homeless kids. I think of Caroline Fromm, who's seeking to raise funds to go to, to, lame, to move to Lame Deers, to be God's light and hope among the Northern Cheyenne. I think of Jenna Stanfeld, who helps find mentors for at-risk youth with Save Our Youth. I think of Marcus Hyde, who went to Palestine to figure out what, to try to understand what peacemaking looked like. I think of Sarah Booth, who works with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. But I also, these are, these are people that are obviously doing God's work, very huge things that are obviously his calling. But I also think of my dad and my brother who have worked cubicle jobs since they graduated from college. But they still try to find ways to join God's mission by, by helping out at their church, as well as being friends with the people that they work alongside, inviting them over for dinner and building friendships, and being somebody that, that rides the, the ups and downs of life with them, supporting and encouraging them through all of those things. I think of Stephen Till and Dan and Jess Craig and Alan Brooks, who have been a part, some of them have been a part of the local music scene here in Denver for going on a decade. 
but they, they take time and they build a reputation of integrity through which Jesus can shine. I think of Brian Poskin, who <clears throat> likes cutting hair, and so he went to school for it. And you walk into his barber shop, and you can tell that there's something different. There's life and there's hope there. A few months ago, he was telling me about his, his intern, this kid that was trying to get his life back on track, getting his GED. And his mom, he has an interest in hair, and so his mom asked Brian if there was anything that he could do to help him out. And so Brian took him under his wing and has him cleaning his shop and readying tools and things like that. And all the while investing in this kid's life, trying to help him understand who Jesus is and, and his love and grace. About seven years ago, Dan Craig and Michaela Cox started passing out sack lunches because they wanted to do some, along Colfax on Thursday nights because they wanted to do something to help the homeless. For the year and a half that they were doing that, I think there was about 20 of us that joined them at one time or another. Christy Spitzer, Molly Fitzpatrick, Tina Mercer, and others have been, have been tutors for some of the kids through Save Our Youth, giving an hour a week to help these kids out. There are all kinds of, well, Nate Branley back there, right there, has been to every freaking mission trip we've been on to Lame Deer. And he's gone multiple times outside of that on his own. And I think I'm getting a new mic. Thanks, Adam. Hello? Hello? There are stories like this all around you. Our community is full of people that are doing all kinds of amazing things. But these are all other people. I've heard it said so many times, I'm sick of it. This is, that's somebody else. God has never told me what to do. God doesn't have anything for me. No, that is not true. Literally, for heaven's sake, no. He does have something for you. I grew up hearing people quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 to me. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But they never went on to 10. I wonder if they had, if I would have been trying to figure out what God's mission was for me so much sooner. <clears throat> 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to do good works, every single one of us. If you're sitting in a chair here tonight, I would even go so far to say that if you're on this planet breathing, God has created good works for you to do. Some of you right now are, have felt a nibbling in the back of your brain to do some specific good thing. Do it. God is calling you to do this. Do whatever it is that you're feeling. Are you dealing with self-doubt? Are you dealing with fear of failure? Do you have no clue where the resources are going to come from to do this thing? Pray. God says that he longs to pour out his provision on us, whether that's resources, whether that's encouragement, whether that's support and confidence. Ask God for it. And then talk with others. Talk with your community. Talk with people that you trust. Share your vision. Who knows what will come from speaking this to God and to your community? For others of you, I just told you something that's totally incongruous with what you're experiencing. You've begged God for some kind of vision, for some kind of direction. You've begged him for a revelation of his will for you. 
keep praying, keep asking. We need to be more persistent in, in our prayers. But at the same time, look around you. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? It doesn't have to be something super spiritual, like going to seminary or starting a ministry or going to Lame Deer or Africa. It could be. But I also think of Tim Everson, who really wanted to fix cars. So he went to school to be a mechanic. And he uses his skills and his abilities to bless so many people and serve so many people within our own community. I don't think if I tried to, I could name everybody that that he's helped. Look around you at your location and your situation. Are you working? How can you bring love and hope to to your fellow employees, to your boss, to your customers? Are you in school? How can you share share Jesus' light and life with your fellow students, with your professors? How can you serve your family, your friends, Scum's community, Denver, the world? I remember last winter, Lacey Fouts gathered blankets so that she could send them to the persecuted Christians all over the world. We are a a community of creative people. Be creative in the ways that you seek to love and serve Jesus. Talk with each other. Find people you trust or you look up to and ask them to help you figure out what your gifts are. And and to to, to walk alongside you in this journey. If anything that I've, any of the examples that I've mentioned so far sound interesting to you, find these people. I've used specific names so that you could go and find these people and have a conversation with them about what their journey has looked like. Pray with others that, that God would reveal his w- word for you. Like Adam mentioned, we at 5 o'clock every Sunday, we meet in the nursery downstairs and we pray. Like, feel free to join us. We would love to, to pray with you about what God wants you to do. Try things out. I know that in the past I've felt that there's one specific way that God has for me to go, and it's immobilized me. Over, the, over time, I've come to realize that there are, specific, there are times where he does have a specific way for us to go, a specific choice for us to make. But I think that more often than not, he wants us to choose. Like a parent with a growing child, he seeks to give us more autonomy as we mature in him wanting us to make the decision as to how to love him love and serve him because there are so many good ways i have a list of ministries back at the scoop local denver um, organizations that seek to serve the poor or deal with hunger all kinds of different things look at that list find a, a two or three or four that sound interesting to you look them up online and contact them and ask them to Ask them what it would take to shatter them for a day or to be a part of their, their be a part of what they're doing to fulfill God's mission. Ask them to tell, the, tell, the, tell you the stories that they, that they have of how they've come to find their role in God's mission. SCUM does all kinds of different... We will be connecting with a bunch of different ministries throughout this year as well as going on a couple of mission trips. Come and join us. There's also... If... Uh, sorry. There's get a group of friends together and go and serve at some place like the Denver Rescue Mission or Food Works Colorado. If you're not, if you don't feel like you're at that point yet, this Thursday night I will be at 1520 Marion Street, and there will be a time for a scripture. We'll be trying to figure out what God's mission is for us 
through scripture study and through prayer. Come and join us for that. It's going to be the beginning of a, it's going to be a precursor to a, a small group that I'll be starting in December in which we'll be having people from our community like Caroline Fromm come and talk about God's mission among the Northern Cheyenne. Or people like Jeff Johnson from Mile High Ministries come and talking about what God's mission looks like in inner city Denver. Or people, I'm hoping to get people like Brian Poskin and Stephen Till to talk about what God's mission looks like for people in the business world. And there will always be time for, for discussion and for prayer as we try to find our own places within God's mission. Be encouraged, my friends. Be excited. We have the opportunity to join the God of the universe in his mission. In John 20, 21, Jesus says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am, being, I am sending you. We are being sent in the same way that Jesus was sent. But, and he is not sending us alone. At the end of Matthew, Jesus commissions his disciples to make disciples of all nations. And he ends it with, As surely as... And and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. God will always be with us. In John 14, 16, Jesus tells the disciples that he will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit resides within us to give us wisdom and strength, courage and hope. Yes, it can be a daunting task to join God in his mission, But he has not left us alone in it. He has given us himself, and he has given us each other. It was about seven years, about eight years ago. No, it was about seven years ago. Sorry. Um, It doesn't matter. (laughs) I moved back to Wichita um, from Denver, and it was a struggle to get me back there. I, I... which I hadn't felt like home since I was 14, and it was where I was born and raised. And going back there was not something that I really wanted to do. But God made it very evident that that's what his will was for me, so I went. But it didn't come with the job. I spent two, two months trying to figure out what he wanted me to do and applying at places and trying to find a job and was resorting to anything. And the only offer that I had was at Starbucks. I had two degrees and I had been working with street youth for three years, very obviously serving Jesus. <laughs> and all I had was Starbucks. But God made it very evident that it was the only option that I had, really, and that he would go with me into it. And so I went. And while I was there, I tried my best to f- follow his mission. Even at times when it didn't feel like I was doing anything or I was getting nowhere. I remember the last night of my training, this kid Josh and a couple other guys were making fun of me because I was a Christian, saying that it was antiquated and irrelevant. I felt very lost and very out of place and very alone. Fast forward about a year, and my friend Natalie, who's one of my shift managers, came, comes up to me and she says, Ben, you should be a counselor. I looked at her and I was like, am I a really bad barista? She was like, no, no, you're a really good barista, but you try to counsel everybody who walks in the door. Like, whether it's the one-time customer or whether it's our regulars or whether it's our fellow employees or whether it's our boss, April. Like, you're always listening to people and always trying to care for them and support them. 
as she was saying this, I realized that, like, by trying to follow Jesus and do what I believed he wanted me to do at Starbucks, I was joining his mission. At that same, it was about that same time that I went into the store that I trained at and to get my free pound of coffee, the weekly free pound of coffee that Starbucks so generously gives us when we work there. <laughs> and Josh was working, and I could tell that there was something wrong, so I asked him. And I spent the next half hour listening to how his girlfriend of two years had dumped him. And he didn't know why, and he didn't know what to do. And as I listened and supported him as he, told, as he struggled with this, I listened and supported to him as he struggled with this. And, after, and as I was leaving, I looked at him and I told him that I would pray for him. He looked me in the eye and he told me, thank you. Somehow this kid who was, had made fun of me a year earlier for being a Christian knew that I was somebody that he could trust with his heartbreak. So why do we do this? Why should we serve others? Why should we join Jesus in his mission? Because of love. Because he loves us. Because when we were broken and when we were messed up, he not only loved us, but he died for us. As Joshua Dillon said when he was saying goodbye, as Joshua Dillon reminded us as he was saying goodbye, if it isn't about loving God, then we should stop doing it. Or we shouldn't even start. The God of the universe loves us. He wants to overwhelm us with his love and his grace and his provision. He loves us so much that he longs to reveal his purpose and his direction to us. He loves us so much that he created us to do good works. He loves us so much that he sent his only son to live among us and to die for us. And to remind us of this, he gave us communion where we get to take in the love of God. We get to take in the body and blood of Jesus Christ as our sustenance to be fed by, by God, so that we, by the love of God, so that we can share that love with others. Please come and join in communion once the communion servers get up here. Take part in God's love. Take in God's love so that we might share it with the world. There will also be prayer back there in that room. If you don't feel like God loves you or that you love God, there will be people to pray with you back there. If you feel like you know what God's mission is for you, but you don't, but you don't, but something's getting in the way, there will be people back there to pray with you. If you want, if you want a direction or a vision from God as to what He wants you to do, and you don't feel like He's answering, there will be people back there to pray with you. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and are seeking to follow Him. Come join us in, in, in communion. If you don't feel like you know Jesus and you would like to, there will be people back there that will, can talk to you about that. Please come. Thank you.